Hello, and namaste everyone, and welcome to Living from the Heart. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. My name is Zach Beach. I begin each session with a short poem of my own, and follow it with a 30-minute Dharma talk. And I close out each session with a 15-minute meditation in order to integrate the lessons in the talk. And our topic for today is seeing ourselves in everything. And our poem for today is a short one. It's so short, it doesn't even have a title. And the poem goes like this. Awareness. What is there is here. What is here is there. I'll say that again. Awareness. What is there is here. And what is here is there. And without sounding too vain about my own writings, I've been really enjoying this poem. And the more I think about it, the more situations it applies to. And the poem reflects the extraordinary transformation that happens when we get in touch with our internal world through the practice of meditation and living from the heart. Because when we do get in touch with our internal world, we soon see it as a reflection of the external world. We discover extraordinary truths, like that our inner space is just as vast as outer space. And one of the first things that is cultivated when we realize what is here is there, is self-compassion. We soon discover that the same challenges that we are having in our life other people are going through, have gone through, or will go through. And we get in touch with what is known as our common humanity. Christian Neff is a psychologist at the University of Texas, and she is the founder of Mindful Self-Compassion. And she considers self-compassion to include three core components. The first one is mindfulness, our capacity to be with our feelings as they are, our level of being in touch with our physical, mental, and emotional states. And the second component of mindful self-compassion is self-kindness, the practice of actively soothing and comforting ourselves. But most importantly, the third component of mindful self-compassion is a recognition of our common humanity. It's a matter of seeing our own experience as part of the larger human experience. And it is important to tap into our common humanity so we don't wallow in our own problems so much. For example, let's say we sit down to meditate and we experience a sense of hunger. One response would be to lament that we are hungry. Another response would be to ignore or repress it. But neither of these responses are particularly helpful. And another response is to connect what we are experiencing to what others are experiencing, and recognizing that there are many people in this world who are not only feeling hunger, but are literally going hungry. And by getting in touch with our struggle, we are better able to empathize with others going through the same experience. And by recognizing that we most likely have food if we want it, to eat after a meditation practice, we can also cultivate a sense of gratitude for our life circumstances. 
So when we experience pain, it can be easy to get stuck in kind of a why me kind of attitude. When we get sick, we might think this isn't supposed to happen to me. I eat well, I exercise. This is such a terrible set of events that I am stuck in. But we can treat any problem in our lives again by looking at what is here is there. We're not the first person to get sick. We're not the only person to be sick right now. And being sick and getting sick is part of the fundamental human experience. It's something that we all go through. And by connecting to that common humanity, we're able to create a sense of spaciousness, a sense of openness, which is so important when we do return to our heart space. The Tibetan Lama Lama Yeshe writes about this in his book, Introduction to Tantra. And he writes, as we create open space in our consciousness, we take on a much more universal character. Instead of being confined in our own petty reality, we move into a larger sphere of universal concern. And no longer do we make such a fuss of insignificant events in our life. There's a story of a great teacher who was giving a talk to an audience and opened up to audience questions. And one older woman raised their hand and they stood up and said that they have been struggling ever since the death of her husband. She mentioned how painful the grief has been, how she has had trouble juggling all the additional responsibilities of family and work, that she was having trouble sleeping, trouble eating, and she asked how she was expected to go on. And the teacher, rather than address this woman directly, turned to the audience and he asked the audience to stand up if you too have lost somebody close to you. And of course, the entire audience stood up. And then the teacher turned to the woman who had asked the question and said, you are not alone in your struggles. And these people have survived the loss of a loved one and so will you. And one really powerful way to experience our common humanity is with what is known as the Just Like Me mantra. And we'll use the Just Like Me mantra in our meditation at the end. And in the Just Like Me mantra, you first think about yourself. You think about your hopes and dreams and aspirations. You think about mistakes that you've made in your life and that you are deserving of forgiveness to these mistakes. You think about how you are trying your best, how you want to be happy, and you don't want to be in pain and suffer. And then you shift your attention to somebody else. It could be a friend or a family member, but it could even be a stranger. You could look at somebody on the bus and look at them and think of all the ways that they are just like you can look at this person, picture this person, and realize that they too have an entire story behind them. They too are trying their best. They too want to be happy. They do not want to be in pain or suffer. And this is a really wonderful gateway to kindness. So when we think about what is here is there, it opens ourselves up to self-compassion. And when we think about what is there is also here, it is a gateway to kindness to others. You probably know that phrase, be kind to everyone you meet, because everyone is fighting a hard battle. 
And when we look within, we discover all sorts of battles that we ourselves are experiencing. And by connecting to our larger humanity, we realize everyone we meet is fighting their own battles too. And it opens ourselves up to kindness. In fact, there's a lovely poem called Kindness by Naomi Shihab Nye. And it goes, Before you know what kindness really is, you must lose things. Feel the future dissolve in a moment, like salt in a weakened broth. What you held in your hand, what you counted and carefully saved, all this must go, so you know how desolate the landscape can be between the regions of kindness. How you ride and ride thinking the bus will never stop. The passengers eating maize and chicken will stare out the window forever. Before you learn the tender gravity of kindness, you must travel where the Indian in a white poncho lies dead by the side of the road. You must see how this could be you, how he too was someone who journeyed through the night with plans and the simple breath that kept him alive. So when we discover that other people are just like us, a natural kindness, kinship, and understanding arises. We realize that other people are seeking happiness and trying their best just like us. Other people experience pain and suffering in their life of death of loved ones and sickness. And other people have dreams. Other people have people that they love and people that they have lost. And we also begin to discover and understand and be compassionate for why people behave the way it is that they do. And one story that I love to tell to describe this phenomenon involves you picturing yourself walking along in the woods. And off in the distance, you see a dog. And as you get closer to the dog, you see that the dog is barking and snarling and looks like it's going to attack. So you come to the conclusion that this is an angry, mean dog. So you keep your distance. You start to walk around it at a safe distance. And as you walk around it, you begin to look at the dog and see that its leg is stuck in a trap. And suddenly your heart melts. You realize this is not a mean dog. This is a scared dog. This is a frightened dog. And this is a dog that needs help. And we see how this applies to ourselves. Is that we human beings also lash out in anger and judgment at Ill, and ill will at others because we ourselves are wounded and scared and lonely. The poet, the poet Mark Nepo put it this way, We waste so much energy trying to cover up who we are when beneath every attitude is the want to be loved, and beneath every anger is a wound to be healed, and beneath every sadness is the fear that there will be not enough time. So when we get in touch with those tender places inside ourselves, we more naturally are able to see and be compassionate to those tender places in others. Years ago, I came across the following phrase that a world traveler had put on their travel blog. They said in all their travels around the world, everyone wants the same thing. 
And I love that he didn't specify what that thing was, because any blank you're tempted to fill it in with, you'll find it in others. Because if you are feeling it, someone else is feeling it too. In the practice of nonviolent communication, this common humanity is known as universal human needs. We all have these needs. The needs for equality, for community, for freedom, for love, to be seen and recognized and accepted for who we are. And recognizing these universal human needs is fundamental to cultivating and creating connection. Because if you look at any problem or conflict, there's often the surface level discussion, there's often the yelling and the barking of the dog, and you're supposed to figure out what underneath is happening, what wounds are asking for tenderness and care, and what universal human needs are people trying to make through actions that are particularly wise. For example, you might get mad at your intimate partner if they came back from the store and they made a big purchase that costed a lot of money and they didn't ask for your input. And we all like to have some input when making a big decision in our lives. And if you didn't get that input, you might lash out like the angry dog. Because you're in truth feeling hurt, in pain, just like the dog. And the universal need here is getting your needs for consideration met. And it's those wounds underneath the anger that we have to get in touch with. And once we do, a natural connection, kindness, and compassion arises. And we also gain wisdom. We understand why people behave the way that they do. And another way to interpret that what is here is there and what is there is here is that what is happening in the world is a projection of what is happening inside each one of us. That what we are the world is. If you've ever looked at the world and seen racism and violence and hatred and wonder why these things exist, you have to see it as a reflection of how people are on the inside. And when we sit down to meditate, we notice a war within ourselves. We notice, con we notice conflicting needs and desires. We notice the same judgment, hatred, and ill will that we see in others. We notice and feel the truth of the line that exists between good and evil, that exists and cuts through the heart of every human being. The Indian philosopher Jiddu Krishnamurti put it this way, and he said, watch how your mind works. It is very interesting, far more interesting than any film, because your mind is the residue of the whole world. And it contains all that human beings have experienced. Do you understand? Your mind is humanity. When you perceive this, you will have immense compassion. Out of this understanding comes great love. And then you will know, when you see lovely things, what beauty is. So if you are wanting peace in the world, we have to start by creating peace in ourselves. And if you look at the war in the world, you will see that it is from people who have a war within themselves. And this works, again, both ways. What we are the world is, and what we 
personally, on an individual level, seeing the world is a reflection of us too. So for example, if you're feeling grateful, there's a lot of things in this world to feel grateful about. If you're feeling spiteful, there's a lot of things in this world to feel spiteful about. What we see in this world fundamentally is a reflection of who we are. There is a phrase that when a pickpocket sees a saint, he only sees the saint's pockets. And we experience this too with our emotions. If we are feeling happy, we look out the window and the world seems like a happy place. We notice the sunshine, the birds chirping, the butterflies flying around from flower to flower. But if we are feeling sad, the world can seem like a sad place. We notice the gray in the sky. We notice the mud in the gutters. And what we see, experience, and interpret in the world is a reflection of who we are. This even happens when we fall in love and we experience that extraordinary joy and ecstasy that comes when falling in love with another person for the first time. Suddenly, our whole world shifts. We skip down the street, jumping to touch the lamppost. Now the sun is shining for us. Now the birds are clearly singing for us. And this reflects how our mind is a lens that we look through. What we see in the world reflects who we are. If we want to be more happy, find more joy, we have to cultivate these things within ourselves. And in order for us to truly understand that what is there is here, and what is here is there, we have to break down the most fundamental duality of all, the sense of I and the sense of other. It was the Zen master Hakun Yasutani who said, the fundamental delusion of humanity is to suppose that I am here and you are out there. And this is just part of the fundamental human experience. We tend to think that we are a separate subject that exists in an outside external objective world. And we do have a fundamental sense of separateness, a sense of I and a sense of other. But part of our spiritual practice, part of our awakening practice, part of our seeing ourselves in everything practice is recognizing that we are not separate from the world that we live in. That we came from this world and we will return to this world. That we are living on borrowed matter and energy. Rumi put it this way, I died as a mineral and became a plant. I died as a plant and became an animal. I died as an animal and I became a human. What should I fear? When was I less by dying? So when we start to dissolve our sense of I, dissolve our sense of I, me, mine, the clinging of the ego that creates a separation of I and other, we discover that life is a constant flow of which we are part of it. We are not a separate constant thing, but life itself is flowing through us. And just focusing on our breath connects us to the air around us, to our environment, to a recognition that each inhale we are breathing in the exhalation of trees and plants, 
And even drinking water connects us to the, all the water on the earth and the rain and the clouds and the streams. And it's our practice to discover this connection, to di discover the web of relationships between others, other beings, plants, minerals, waters that support us on a day-to-day -day basis. The naturalist John Weir put it this way. He said, the sun shines not on us, but in us. The river flows not past, but through us. Thrilling, tingling, vibrating every fiber and cell of the substance of our bodies, making them glide and sing. And one of the most fundamental tenets of spiritual awakening is that once we dissolve our sense of self, our sense of an I in here, it's not that we become nothing, but instead we see ourselves in everything. Because in truth, without I, there is no other. And without other, there is no I. And the Buddhist meditation teacher, Jack Cornfield, put it this way. And he wrote, There are times in spiritual life when it feels as if all the barriers we have erected to shield ourselves from the pain of the world have crumbled. Our hearts become tender and raw, and we feel a natural kinship with all that lives. The cries of street children echo in our mind. Images of terrorism and racism, ecological destruction, poverty and slavery fill our consciousness. It is as if our consciousness has broken open to the struggles of humanity and the earth itself. We may feel that we are in eternal ground. We may see the suffering of countless generations. And we recognize that there is no escape from this. Yet only by opening our eyes and our hearts to the suffering of the world can we find freedom or peace. And this is the final truth we are seeking to discover. When we mention what is here is there, and what is there is here. We discover that the same awareness that is in me is the same awareness that is in you. There aren't two subjects here experiencing a single objective reality. That is an illusion, a delusion created by the mind. But really, there is one universal consciousness of which we are both a part of. One light, one love, one awareness. When we dissolve our sense of I, we dissolve our sense of other, and of course we dissolve our sense of me and you, and we simply become one. We understand the truth of the statement, Namaste. When I am in that place and you're in that place, we are one. Not two, non-dual, not two, but one. And Rumi again put it wonderfully. He said, the lamps are different, but the light is the same. I love that phrase so much. The lamps are different, but the light is the same. Sure, if you look at our physical bodies, 
They look different. We're in different containers. And the human mind is extraordinarily discriminative on individual differences. But when we drop into the heart, the sense of separation dissolves. A sense of connectedness arises naturally. A sense of kinship with all beings everywhere. We discover the lamps might be different, but the one light, one light mind, one love is the same. We discover that what is here is there, and what is there is here. We are unique reflections of each other. We are put on this planet to awaken to this reality, and we can help each other awaken to this reality by reflecting the divine that we are back to ourselves. What is here is there. What is there is here. So as I mentioned, our meditation for today is the Just Like Me mantra. And to begin, find yourself sitting comfortably and upright. Feel your seat, straighten the spine, relax the shoulders, and take a few deep breaths. And to begin, tune into what is here. Tune into your story. How did you get to where you are today? Where were you born? Who took care of you as you were growing up? And what were some formative experiences as you were growing up, both the good and the bad? What were some firsts? First time you rode a bike, first time you visited a new place, first time you went to school, first friendships, first relationships. Think about people who had a formative effect on your life. And also think about when you were younger, 
what were some hopes and dreams and aspirations that you had? What did you want for your life? And along the way, what were some achievements, accomplishments, and what were some failures, mistakes? Who have you helped along the way? And also, who have you hurt? Rather intentionally or unintentionally? Think about your present moment situation. What are you wanting in your life? What's good? What's bad? What's challenging? What's easy? And what are you hoping for your future? What dreams, hopes, and realizations have you yet to realize? And also think about who do you love? Who do you care about? Who are some people in your life who continue to love and support you? And also, who have you lost along the way? What people in your life perhaps are no longer in your life, but are living on their own? And who is no longer in this physical plane? Who has moved beyond this plane? And now, shift your attention to another person. 
could be a partner, a friend, a family member, an acquaintance, a co-worker, or even a total stranger. Picturing this person and recognize how they are just like you. How just like you, they want to be happy. Just like you, they do not want to be in pain or suffer. Just like you, they have an entire story behind them and how they got to where they are today. They too grew up experiencing challenges, successes, and failures. Just like you, they had their first experiences. And just like you, They've made mistakes, and just like you, they've had successes in their life, too. Just like you, they are trying their best. Just like you, when they were younger, they had hopes and dreams and aspirations. Some of these came true. Some of these faded away. Just like you, this person has people that they care deeply about. And just like you, this person has people that care deeply about them. And just like you, this person has lost people from their life. Just like you, people have faded out of this person's life. And just like you, people in this person's life have faded away and passed from this earthly plane. Just like you, this person needs love. They want to be seen, loved, and accepted for just who they are. And this person is just like you. The lamps are different, but the light is the same. In fact, you are unique, divine reflections of each other. And resonating fully with the true name, with the true meaning of Namaste, the light and love that is inside you 
recognizes, acknowledges, and honors the love and light that is inside this person. The truth and wisdom inside of you recognizes the truth and wisdom inside of this person. When you are in that place and they are in that place, you both are one. Bowing in reverence. Thank you so much for joining me for this Living from the Heart session. Thank you for being here, and thank you for being you.